This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, you got to hear a conversation I had with one of you, Craig Goodliffe, about how to say no, leverage your 80%, and be accountable even when it's hard. If you missed that episode, go back and check that out. In this episode, we are going down uh, one of the seven circles that is very meaningful to me in my journey, and that is the circle of relationships. I think a lot of us... uh, take our relationships for granted. When you look at the relationships you have, do you have a strategy? Do you wake up every single day intentionally adding value to specific relationships? Do you have a habit of nurturing the relationships that matter most to you? Or is it just kind of one of those things that uh, you don't bring much focus to and it falls by the wayside? Today, you are going to hear a conversation I had with someone who has formed relationships at a very, very high level. Uh, His company is called Bluefish, and you may have never heard of the company, but basically, this is a concierge service to the elite of elite of elite in the world. I mean, if you wanted to get married in the Vatican and be married directly by the Pope, this is the guy to do it. If you wanted to go down and visit the Titanic, this is the guy to do it. If you wanted to have dinner at the footsteps of Michelangelo's David and be serenaded by Andre Botticelli, this is the guy to make it happen. He is the man that can. And the reason he is able to pull these types of things off is because of the relationships he has formed. Much of this he highlights in his new book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which you can get on Amazon or you can go to audible.com slash one thing and you'll be able to get a copy of the book there as well. Today, we are gonna go deep into a conversation about how you can be forming more meaningful relationships with the people that you really need to be in relationship with either to scale your business to the next level or could be regarding the people that matter most to you in your personal life as well. Now, I'm going to take the next few minutes to share my personal story of implementing this type of content because I think if you, we would be doing you a disservice if we let you just go into the conversation with Steve because you might tell yourself the story that this is not possible for you. And so we're going to take the next three minutes or so to really walk you through how what we are talking about in this episode directly opened the door for me to call Gary Keller and Jay Papazan partner. If you're not interested in that, go ahead and just fast forward about three minutes and you'll be able to get right into the episode. And if you do want to hear it, just go ahead and continue listening. Back when I was in medical device sales and my income got slashed by 40% and my colleague has the stroke and I'm realizing I need to start a business, I realized I didn't know where to begin. That's when I heard the Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I remember looking at my five the people I actually spent the most time with and thinking, wow, these are amazing people. I love them. The problem was I was seeking guidance from them on how to start a business when they had never started a business. What were my chances of successfully growing a business? Knowing the stats that majority of businesses fail if the people I'm going to for guidance have never actually done what I want to do. I knew I had to set out on a mission. I got clear on who the people were that I wanted to surround myself with. And I started attending conferences, seminars, masterminds, just to get in the room with the people. And I remember all these limiting beliefs around why would these people talk to me? What could I possibly say to them that would make it worth their time to spend with me? I remember being paralyzed by fear 
And then something deep inside compelled me to take action anyways. An example, when Jay Papazan was on stage speaking at my national sales meeting, and I am just going, I've got to talk to this guy, but why will he talk to me? And when he finishes and he's getting the standing ovation and everybody else is sitting down, like something deep inside me realized I had to take action now. I had to get out of my seat. I had to run down the side of the hall because I had to be the first person to talk to him. And one foot starts moving after the other, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. I am running down the side of this ballroom trying to intercept Jay because I didn't want anybody else to be first. I had to be first. And I didn't even know what I was going to say yet. And all of a sudden I'm in front of him. And I'm realizing it's showtime. What are you going to say? And instead of puffing my chest out and trying to impress him, I realized I needed to drop my ego. I needed to be more interested in him first. I said, Jay, my name's Jeff Woods. First and foremost, thank you. I have been so lost trying to figure out how to start a business. And for the first time, I am listening to you on stage and I am blown away and just realizing this is it. I have to share your message. I have, to, I have, what you have, your book, I have to get more people aware of this. Can I feature you on my podcast so that I can help more people be aware of the one thing? For all of you who are telling yourself a story, but Jeff, I don't have a podcast. That won't work for me. Why do you think I started a podcast in the first place? <laughs> for that exact reason. So that I would have a reason to approach people and bring value where I normally could not. It was a strategy. I interviewed Jay. At the end of my interview with him, I asked him a question. What are you working on now? How can I help you? He said, we're looking to get more exposure. So without him asking, I then got him booked on a bunch of other podcasts because I just wanted to bring value. And I circled back again. How can I help you? He said, we're always looking for more exposure. He didn't know this, but I wrote for entrepreneur.com. So I wrote an article about the one thing, plugging the book and started blasting it across my social media channels. I began to notice Gary and Jay resharing, retweeting my tweets. I retweeted back to Jay. What are you working on? How can I help you? This is now the third time, remember. Podcast, got him booked on more podcasts, wrote the article. That's three times I brought value to him. And a fourth time I asked, how can I bring value to you? That is when he replied and said, Gary and I are looking for a CEO for a new company. I said, I know a lot of people. I'm well-connected. Let's talk because I probably know the right person. Literally just trying to play super connector so I could bring value. When Jay and I got on the phone was the moment that he told me who they were looking for. When he described that individual, I sat in silence because he described me. I knew everything was about to change. In fact, I walked into my house and told my wife, I just had a conversation and I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up moving to Texas. And before she could really ask any more questions, I already said, I got to be right back. I ran into my office and grabbed my microphone and documented it. That became episode 57 of the Mentee Podcast. I knew it in my bones. Here's why we share this with you amazing, extraordinary opportunities are waiting for you right now and you aren't even aware of it because you're waking up every single day trying to figure out how you can get what you want. Not realizing, like Zig Ziglar says, you can have everything you want if you just help enough other people 
get what they want first? What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would allow you to form amazing, deep, meaningful relationships with people? Today's episode, we go on a journey to exploring that. With that, let's get into my conversation with Steve Sims. Steve, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you know, the the people who are listening to this got to hear in the intro of the episode my background, which I shared with you just around how important surrounding yourself with the right people is. You have <laughs> surrounded yourself with entirely different level of people than I've even aimed at so far. Where did this all come from? Where did the inspiration for Bluefish and you becoming this man of just building a massive Rolodex come from? Oh, uh, wow. Deep question to jump in with. <laughs> no softballs here, brother. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I'm recovering from that one. It was, it was a weird delusional moment. I was trying to find a job. I was a doorman of a nightclub. I was trying to surround myself with successful people because quite simply, I thought poor people couldn't give me a job. So I associated with affluent, successful people. And my value to be in that group was to be able to pull things off or to get things for people. And it started off with like, you know, where's the best nightclub tonight? Oh, you know, I need to get a, a decent car for the weekend. Oh, where's a good place to stay when you're in London? It just started and then kind of grew. And then I started doing events. And it, it was a weird thing. It's the only time in my life where I never actually asked for a job from these people. But that was the hope. I was hoping I was going to surround myself with so many good people that one of them would wake up in the morning and just go, hey, Steve, we need to employ you. But before I realized it, I was known as the man that can. Uh, I think it was Forbes that called me the real-life Wizard of Oz, and I was getting this reputation. And I realized that there was a necessity of people that actually wanted to just pay and not to be favor-driven, because favors favors grow with, a, with an interest rate bigger than the mafia. And before you know it, you're selling your house to try and, you know, pay off that favor that really at the time would have just been you know, a couple of hundred bucks or a couple of grand. So I was the guy in the middle that just managed to do. So for people who are not familiar with you or familiar with Bluefish, you start as this doorman and affluent people are asking, where's the hottest club for the night? You're pointing them in the right direction with the hope that if you could bring enough value to them one day, an opportunity might open up for you to work for one of them. At what point did the light bulb go off where you realized I'm not actually employable? <laughs> actually it was my wife we've known each other since uh, we were 16 and 17 and we were now living in switzerland and the funny thing is the the good job for any listeners here is they can't see me you you have but i'm 230 pound of ugly and i've got no hair goatee beard earrings and an eye piercing and some tattoos i'm not you know the, the cookie cutter corporate looking guy so i would take all these earrings out and literally go to networking events, trying to, to get somewhere, never getting anywhere, coming home, putting my black T-shirt on, riding somewhere on a motorbike, and getting business. It was my wife that actually came up and went, look, you're spending a lot of energy trying to associate in this pool of water where you've already got people in this area that you resonate with, relate to you, and actually pay you to do stuff, yet you're putting your energy in a different area. And I think that's when. The aha moment was then followed with what every entrepreneur does when they've got a successful business. We screw it up. We have a natural <laughs> ability and desire 
to basically F up anything that's working. And I did that. I suddenly, like to give you the whole Bluefish context, I used to have different passwords to get into my parties. And one of them was, finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. And that's where people were like, oh, do you remember that Bluefish company? And that's, that's, that's as deep as it was mm. to get our name. But the second that we realized, hang on, we've got a big core group of affluent people using us, the first thing I tried to do was invent a very precocious name. And I had people contact us going, oh, is that Bluefish? And I'd be like, no, it's not. It's Trianon, which for anyone that doesn't know, is the final court of the Greek gods and referred to as the final say on everything. And <laughs> people would go, is that Bluefish? I'd be like, no, it's Trianon. And they'd go, oh, sorry, I'm looking for Bluefish. And then hang up. And I realized that I was screwing the pooch, so basically canceled that name and went, yeah, this is Bluefish. And I let it become what people wanted. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely an org- organic-driven uh, entity, driven by desire, driven by need, uh, and no one else was doing it in a non-precocious manner. So, so I want to have so many questions I want to dive into around the relationship side. I think it's important that we give people a context of what Bluefish has become so that they really understand who they're listening to right now. You fast forward to today and you look at all the clients that you have served. What have been some of the best stories or things that you have been able to pull off that would really help people understand, wow, when you have the right relationships, this is what is possible. All right. So the chest puffing ego moment, I apologize. I've sent people down to the Titanic, got them married in the Vatican by the Pope, closed down museums to set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and then add Andrea Bocelli coming and serenade them. I partnered with the Grammys, Kentucky Derby, the New York Fashion Week, Ferrari Cavallino uh, Classic, Davis Tennis Tournament. I've worked with people from Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Peter Diamandis, Joe Polish, Jason Gaynard, all the way through to the richer and unknown from around the world. I'm probably in about five different countries every six months dealing with royalty, captains of industry, and just basically people that want stuff done without the hoo-ha and drama of it. There you go. Okay. So folks, the purpose of this episode is not to go into necessarily those things. And I'm, and I'm sure we can dive into one about what it really took to pull that off. But the, the value for you, you know, one of the seven circles is relationships. And I've, I've at least witnessed, at least from the people who are in living your one thing, uh, it's, it's an area of life that often goes without focus. You know my story. There was two years where every single day I intentionally woke up and asked one question, how can I bring value to one person today? It became a habit to the point where in every interaction, subconsciously I'm asking, how can I bring value? Which is the entire reason that I am with you right now running this company. Steve, what do you say to those people who, when they think about their business, there's all these limiting beliefs that hold them back from saying, no, there's no way I could reach out to this person. They're an A-list celebrity or the Elon Musks of the world or the CEO of that big company. And they tell themselves a story. Why would they talk to me? Well, I hope your listeners out there believe that because for as long as people actually believe that they can't engage in conversations- <laughs> You're in business. I, exactly. <laughs> um, And one of the things I find hilarious, and I I saw this a while back, and I, I I literally smacked the client on the back of the head. 
we were walking up to Richard Branson because he wanted to meet Richard Branson, and he actually started bowing. As he got closer to Richard, you saw his kind of shoulders bend over a bit and his head go down, his hand go out. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? He was like, oh, I'm going to shake it. I'm like, Jesus, man, you go in like that and you've already put the guy 10 foot above you. You've established a pecking order in which he's way above you to, to start with. You're not ever going to reach him on a level kill. So the first thing you've got to do is stop believing it's impossible. Here's the beautiful thing. When you walk up to Elon Musk, you know who Elon Musk is. Elon Musk doesn't know who you are. In his head, he's rattling through loads of equations, trying to decipher, are you friend, foe, partner, investor, contributor? You know, what, who are you? So the second you jump up and you've got your selfie, you've got your camera in one hand, and you've got your hand out, he knows, bam. Okay, and he will talk to you like, a oh, yeah, it's great. Let's get the selfie. Yeah, great, but... If you walk up to him and you've got your phone in your back pocket and you're just hands down by your side and say, Mr. Musk, it's an absolute pleasure. And you're strong, you're confident, and you go with the three E's on every communication, which is entertain, engage, and educate. And they can be in any order, but you try and keep those three in any conversation. You can start communicating with a person and actually forming a relationship. And the key is, you've said quite, a, quite along the way, and the only asset I've got is my relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't produce shoes. I don't build motorbikes. I build relationships. And those relationships are what keep me in business. And those relationships are because I approach everyone in a very direct, a very direct, I hate this word authentic. And so I substitute it with transparent. When you meet me, you instantly know why I'm in front of you. Because I'm going to tell you. I love what you do. In fact, I wanted to talk to you about this project you're working on. Let's do a live example there. Think of somebody that um, is well-known, that most people would tell themselves the story, there is no way I could ever approach that person, and tell us how you approached them, and you were direct, you were transparent, you entertained, you educated. What was the 30? It's, it's educate, entertain, and engage. There you go. All right, so you're, you want to meet X, Okay. And this, this X could be whoever. It could be a celebrity. It could be an icon. I'm very proud that over the last five to 10 years, we've seen celebrities that prior to 10 years were movie stars, sports stars, and music. Now we've got superstars like Elon Musk, Peter Diamandes, um, Mark Cuban. We've got business icons, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. These are also superstars and celebrities. So when you, when you want to meet one of those, the first thing you do research. Get your phone out, get a coffee, and research. And start typing in things like Elon Musk's favorite charities, Richard Branson's favorite car, you know, favorite restaurant, favorite gala. Do some Googling. And if you want to go and catch fish, go where fish feed. So find out where these people go. What galas do they support? What charity foundations are they at? You'll find out those kind of things. And here's the true talent bump into them. So you make sure that you've now found out that this person is at this gala supporting that foundation, but they also support these other foundations. And in fact, he's even got a new book coming out, or he's got a new project he's working on, or he's establishing a new airline. And have that tool in your pocket. So when you walk up, you can bump and say, oh, pleasure to meet you. I, I did hear you were a support of this. In fact, I also believe 
You were supportive of this as well. Am I, am I right there? And get them engaged in something that they like talking about. And the education bit of those three E's, that can actually be asking them, saying, well, I've got to ask, why are you involved in that one as well? You know, I don't know much about it. Let them educate you. Everybody loves talking about themselves. Can I pause you real quick, Steve? Because you're saying something that is was one of the most profound lessons I learned when it came to forming relationships with people. A mentor of mine said, you need to be more interested than interesting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You need to be more interested in them than trying to get them to think that you're interesting because you're not that interesting. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. And everything you're saying here, Steve, is you're being interested in them. And as a result, what ends up happening? The communication starts Mm -hmm. and the relationship starts forming. And again, because you're being transparent, you're not trying to hide. You're actually saying, look, I believe you know these things. You're not going... Oh, it's funny that you're here. They know, you know, you, they know full well you probably found some angle to get there. So just go in there, be direct. Don't re- beat around a bunch because nine times out of ten, you've only got about five seconds to commence a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're in their head already going, "Hang on, is this person good or bad?" And they don't care if they engage. You see, anyone nowadays can get that foot in the door. The real trick is to be so irresistible they don't want you to leave. Mm-hmm. So what's a real-life example of, of when you played this out? Because I think a story will really show the power of this. All right. So I had a client that wanted to um, do something with the rock band Journey. and um, Don't stop believing, baby. Just don't. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. And this guy wanted to do something with Journey because he had had a great story in his life of from being a college kid and going through bad breakups and having no money. Now he's very successful. But when he was young, he was the lead singer of the cover band Journey in his local college town. Mm. So to cement the kind of full cycle of him now in his 50s and very successful, he wanted to meet the band. Now for us, in speaking with him, we discovered that wasn't good enough. You know, the bottom line of it is this guy had such a passion for Journey. Journey had been the theme tune to every chapter and episode in his life to just shake hands would have been an empty value. So we wanted to see how far we could take it. In doing some research, we discovered that the drummer's son was autistic and he was a very large supporter of Autism Speaks. Now, my client's brother's son was autistic. So when we went over and I made sure I was in the right room with the drummer, I made sure to ask them about this and said, look, do you know, there's a funny thing. I've been retained to do something with your group. Now, I reckon we could do that, but I want to shelve that for a second. Let me ask you this. How powerful would it be if while doing this experience, we did it under the banner Autism Speaks? So now what you're doing is you're giving him an added value. Most people know they're going to get paid for something, but now you're giving him an added value. I've got a great reach of very affluent people around the world, and I can bring this to your course, to your foundation. There's going to keep giving long after we've done the experience. Would that be a value to you? And never ask a question where the answer can be brought back as no, unless no is the answer you want. Mm. So I always go into a situation going, look, I want something, but I've realized that you do this. What needs to happen for that to work? How could we do something in order for it to benefit you? 
What needs to happen for me to get what I want while maximizing the benefit to you? What I like about this approach, Steve, is because I, I had this little episode play out in my mind as you were talking through that, where it almost feels weird to say, I'm actually here to try to speak to you to, li- to, to, to line something up. I've been retained to f- strike a deal with you. At first, like my, my subconscious is going, no, that's weird, but you, you, let's put that aside. How do we make this a win for you? And the way you say it, like you said, with so much confidence, with so much certainty, you're direct, you're transparent, sat well with me. The one thing is, I'm, I'm a great believer that my stomach is smarter than my head. And so when you're talking <laughs> to someone, if you suddenly start getting these butterflies in your stomach, even though the person in front of you is wearing a sharp suit, a 20 grand watch, and speaking you know, very eloquently and well-placed, if something's fidgeting in your stomach and it doesn't feel right, listen to it. Because everyone talks about your reptilian brain, fight or flight, all of that kind of thing. I lead with my gut. If I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm questioning the person I'm having a conversation with, I walk away. Now, I'm not a big shot, but these people that most people are trying to get to, and we're talking about the celebrity world at the moment, but those people that are either maybe senior in that business, they've got a little bit of that you know, star power in that, little, in that little pool of water, they're also looking at you going, well, what's this person want? If you can be transparent, then all of a sudden those butterflies are gone because that belly now says to you, the gut reaction is, this person's safe. Yeah. I said to you before about educate, engage, and entertain. If you can engage and entertain with your tone or with, you know, asking about different things or your eyes or your, your movement, and you, you're making it so transparent. Hey, I really want to learn why you're involved in this. Actually, I read something that you're doing this. I've got to ask, what, what are you trying to solve? What problem came up in your mind that thought that we needed this? And they will go, actually, you know, and bang. As soon as the conversation starts, you're in, keep it going, engage, respond, you know, be active, be interested. And that communication will flow. And then you fall into the, look, I want to pick this. This is a, (laughs) I'm sorry, I've gone off on a tangent here, but this is the beautiful little icing when you get into this. You know when that conversation starts flowing and everything's going tickety-boo and everyone's relaxed and he's now leaning up against the bar and you are actually having a conversation. Do you know what I always do? I kill the conversation. There's someone there going, why do you do that? You know, I'll tell you why. Because you're in a gala, you're in a restaurant, you're in a bar, you're in a social surrounding where you've now locked and loaded and you've got this person's attention. What you do is you offer out of respect to let them get on with the night and we'll pick this conversation up another time. Let me take your cell phone number and we'll talk in a couple of days' time. Mm-hmm. You're letting them off the hook. And I will literally go, hey, I want to hear more about this. You've got me hooked. But I've got to respect your time. We're in a party environment. Let's pick it up where there's not so much noise around us. How's the best way I get in contact with you? Let me grab yourself on number. I'll text you. Now, never give them a business card because it puts them in power. Okay? Try and get, a social, try and get some direct social contact. Do you have a cell phone number? Now, sometimes if you're talking to Elon Musk, he's not going to give you a cell phone number. So he's going to go, okay. Who's this I've got? And they may go, oh, that's Beatrice. Oh, good. I'll chat to Beatrice and we'll work out time we can get together. But 
I'm thanking you now for the time that you've had with me, and I'm looking forward to coming back. And then the art is the follow-up. Tell me more about that. All right. I, I thought you'd want me to shut up, so that's why. <laughs> but I'll tell you. So now you've had a bit of conversation. He knows you're going to phone up, or he knows you're going to reach out and try to make an appointment. He may have sobered up or kind of got, started to wonder after meeting 200 people. Uh, who was that guy? So you've got to make sure that you're interesting and entertaining so that you stay on their mind. But what you can do is you can actually, through your research, find out something that they like. And I do this all the time. Find out something they like. Do they like wine? Do they like equestrian sport? Do they like Greek food? You know, do your Googling. Find out something. Or in the conversation, go, well, where, did you, where would you come from? Oh, I just got back from Greece. You like Greece? Oh, I love Greece. Pick up on these little bits, run down to your Barnes & Noble, go down to the discount section and find a big, beautiful, glossy book on Greece or Greek food or learn Greek. You know, anything like this and put a handwritten letter inside that, wrap it up. I use, I use butcher's paper. I love brown butcher's paper because it's just, just something rough about it and it's, you know, the way you touch it and all that kind of stuff. And then get it delivered or get it posted and then put on it private and confidential. That will be handed to the person and they've now got a package in front of them that they can see has been hand-wrapped and handwritten address on it. And they rip it open. There's a grit and they open this thing and go, Josh, following up on the conversation, I said that we'd reach out in a few days' time. I plan on doing that. But you mentioned Greece and I saw this book. I can't, couldn't pass up on the opportunity. I had a quick flick through it. Hope you enjoy it. Now, keep things cheap. I've sent things like I had a client once that um, had these really beautiful shoes, and they looked black, but he actually said to me, do you know that purple? And I was like, what? I said, they look black. He had a tuxedo, and he said, no, no, no. He said, that purple, but that's such a purple. In the light, in the dark light of a gala, they look more black than a pair of black shoes. And he shone his light on them, and they were dark purple. And he went on about how he loves these handmade shoes and stuff like that. I sent him via Amazon a bone shoehorn, not a metal one, because a metal one will set off the detectors when you're going through TSA or anything. But I sent him a bone one and said to him, we're going to follow up on our conversation, but since you've got amazing shoes, you need to take care of them. You can travel with this bone one because you won't set off any alarms when you're going through customs. <laughs> and the, the, bone, the bone thing, it was direct from Amazon, and I think two of them were like $22. <laughs> and I try never to spend a lot of money on those initial gifts. Were you ever told that if you worked hard in school, got a good job, and saved in your 401k, that somehow you'd retire and secure your slice of the American dream? I know I was. What's interesting is that when you look at the wealthy, that's not how they got there. That's why we're excited to introduce you to our friend Patrick Donahoe and his team at Paradigm Life. If you go to perpetualwealthstrategy.net, you can download a free report called The Entrepreneur's Hierarchy of Investment. Patrick and his team specialize in this strategy and have made this report available specifically for you as a listener of The One Thing Podcast. So go ahead and get your report today at perpetualwealthstrategy.net.
So let's pull back to a 40,000 foot level because I, I, I put myself in the listener's shoes and I can, I'm talking to you, the person who's telling yourself the story that you could never do that. Out of everything that Steve just said, let's look at what the raw elements of this are. First and foremost, there's a strategy to how he's, how he's approaching. He's doing his research. He's figuring out what they are interested in. And when he approaches, he is direct. He is transparent. And he's trying to find a win for them. He's not trying to occupy their time the entire night. He gets in, he gets out, and then he follows up. And he follows up in a way that distinguishes himself and sets him apart. Can you at least do that? Whether you want to go to the galas and send the bone shoehorns and all that other stuff, if that fits you, awesome. But can from the raw elements, can you do that? Other question, can you afford not to? What are you currently sacrificing? What results are you currently foregoing because you are unwilling to get comfortable being uncomfortable and try something different? Steve, Think about the people that you're in relationship where they're they're not the A-list celebrities. They're they're just very successful people. And they're at that point in their life where they have everything they want from a business standpoint, and they're looking to leave that legacy. What percentage of them mentor other people? I'm probably an unfair person to ask because of my approach to business and how I drive, and I am a referral business. No one can phone me. You have no contact on my website. I haven't even given you my website. So every one of my clients is going through referral. Therefore, my niche market is the entrepreneurs. And I only have self-made men and women uh, throughout the world. And I found that the entrepreneurial marketplace do get to a level where they actually start reaching out and going, how can I help you avoid a few of the scars and slip ups? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people I work with uh, do actually do that mentorship, do actually do um, postings to try and help people get up. Because as entrepreneurs, the one thing I have noticed is we do actually like to see more entrepreneurs in our wheelhouse. We want to see more people in our sandpit that are creative, solution thinkers. We don't want people coming to us with problems. We want people coming to us with a few solutions. Even if the solutions are crap, we want them coming forward because it's a mindset that you're coming to us with the potential of a solution. And as entrepreneurs, we don't like wine bags that sit there and go, oh, no, that can never happen to us. Because if you think it, you're right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the reason I asked you is because I, so many people who are listening to this are having the limiting belief that they can't do this. That why would I approach them? What could I possibly give them? What uh, could I possibly do for them that would make it worth their time? And what I think people fail to realize is that every single one of us one day is going to wake up and want to leave a legacy. I, know, I totally agree with you. But what, what's really kind of winding me up and getting me a little bit, I don't want to say violent, but very, very aggravated here, is that I'm an East London bricklayer. I can go toe-to-toe with anyone and tell you why you should be doing it. The only one that's telling you you can't do it is you. And I didn't finish school. I didn't have any Ivy League. I didn't have any of those. No one can go toe-to-toe and go, oh, Steve, you're just doing that because of. There is no because of. And so if I'm doing it, I keep things very simplified. I keep things very transparent, impossible to misunderstand. There's nothing that I do that literally anybody listening can't do and put me out of business. So why haven't you been put out of business? 
Because I love these people. The, <laughs> Greg Reed says it best when he says it's the size of your butt that gets in front of you, you know, but I can't do this, but money won't allow, but he won't talk to me. Everyone's out there putting so much passion and energy, working up the excuses that it can't happen rather than spending 20 seconds on the only reason it should. Mm. And I'm an uneducated person that never had the ability to panic. I never stood there and said, oh, but I don't know if I just went, okay, let me try that. And bang, I'd fall over. I'd get smacked in the face. I'd, I'd, I'd lose money. I'd lose contracts. I'd lose friends. But as my old dad used to say, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. <laughs> and I refuse to stay there. Oh, say that again. That is so good. No one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. Uh, this is a note to the editing team, and you guys can keep this in there. Make that one of the quotes for the graphic arts for, to, for social media push. <laughs> So freaking good. I love it. That is amazing. Here's one thing that's a, that was interesting. On my journey to surrounding myself with the right people, as I began to surround myself with, frankly, people I, I questioned I could ever be in relationship with, I started to notice how much I changed. I have to imagine that, Steve, with the, the relationships you have built, you were a different person because of who you surrounded yourself with. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, you are the combination of the five people you hang out with, of course. Here's the question. What happened to all those other relationships? I got rid of them. Mm, Talk about that, because I think this is where people, they start to make progress, and then they realize that their old relationships, the relationships of circumstance, they just happen to be neighbors, and so they're BFFs for life. They realize they're pulling them down, and they're unwilling to cut ties. Talk about that. All right, so... This actually takes me back to one of my dark periods. Uh, I've always been on motorcycles, black t-shirt, whiskey drinker. It's always been that me. And then in the late 90s, I changed. And I started wearing suits. I actually bought a car. Uh, I don't own a car, um, but I bought a car then. It was a very fancy sports car. I suddenly became someone I wasn't. And I suddenly realized that the friends I had that enjoyed traveling the world with me and going to do these people I didn't know. I didn't feel I I knew them, and I got very depressed. And I actually, I came up with a very primitive format. I came up with something I call the chug test. And it's as simple as this. You're walking up the street one day, and on the other side of the street, coming the opposite direction, is a friend, a relative, a business partner, uh, someone who works for you, someone you work for, an accountant, anyone in your world is walking on the other side of the road. Do you, A, turn around to the window and pretend as though you're really interested in that mattress set and wait to see the reflection of them walk by? Or do you run across the road, run up to them and go, Jimmy, let's go chug a beer or let's grab a coffee or let's grab a sandwich. Which one do you do? If it's A, delete them. Get them out of your life. And the reason I say this is because cancer is not the size of an elephant. It's it's molecule, it's minute, but it kills. And that cancer is in those people that are negative and dragging you down. And without you realizing it, you have to spend energy and effort communicating with these people and going, well, look, I I hear what you're saying, Larry, but hey, look, maybe you get tired. And do you know what happens? You then take that cancer to a good relationship. And how many people listening 
have turned around to their wife, their girlfriend, their husband, their kids, their friends, and gone, and the person turned around and go, whoa, where did that come from? And you go, oh, sorry, I, I just had a bad conversation. Luckily, those people have such a strong relationship with you that they can call you out on it. But the downside is new clients, new friends, new relationships, new team members, they don't have that strength of relationship yet. And then they start treating you like that. And that cancer from the bad person you talk to has now spread. And so you literally, I have a, I, I did a chapter, I think you may have read it, called Fire the Vampires. <laughs> and I actually talk about how these people drain you. And I did a speech once where I said, look, everyone put your hand up in the air that has someone in your world, maybe even at the table that you're sitting at, that you work with, you go out with, but quite bluntly, you don't like. And if there was a way of just eliminating them out of your life, without it affecting or offending anybody by flicking the switch, that you would flick that switch. Everyone puts their hand up. And then I said, you know the funny thing is? That person spoke to your wife last week. They spoke to your best client. And of course, everyone sits there and goes, ah, no, they didn't. I know they didn't. But by you changing your persona and your energy level in responding and trying to resonate and reason with that person, when you come away from that, you're drained. If I say to you, phone five people you don't like, you will think of every reason not to do it. If you are forced to do it, it may take you a week to do it. You're going to hate to do it. If I tell you, phone five people you love, it's a breeze. And when you've had a good conversation with someone you like, what happens the next conversation you go into? Right. You're already there. So, it, it, and I know it sounds, people are there going, oh, that's easy for you to say. It's easy for me to say, it's hard to do, but you have to do it. I have fired some fantastic people, some of my best earners, because they just aggravated me. Well, it's like on the cover of the book, it says, the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Simple, in theory, seldomly done. And I know one thing that will resonate, because I know our audience, um, one of their challenges is separating work from play and and. A lot of us will can get stressed at work, and then you end up having a really hard day, and you drive home, and all of a sudden, you're not able to be present with your family because that, that thing that was stressing you out has plagued you. It's the same thing with your relationships, people. And I think, Steve, I'd never heard anybody say it like, oh, that person's having a conversation with your wife or with your best client. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, yes, they are, because you've now embodied them and carried that energy. That's, pro- that's profound. And it's scary, isn't it? And you should be scared. And I'm hoping everyone listening to this is a little bit more frightened. And if you think about it and you really, really pay attention, you would not allow someone evil and negative to talk to your kids. But without realizing it, you are. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we always do here, Steve, is we really simplify things down so that they're actionable. And I want to I go down this rabbit hole. What I think you have to realize, I'm speaking to you, the person who's listening, is that um, a relationship serves a purpose in your life. You may have for decades been very close with an individual, and now you're looking up and realizing that they no longer serve the same purpose anymore. They are no longer the person you go to for counsel on how to scale your business or on how to scale your or coach your assistant to that next level. They just serve a different purpose. That's okay. 
they can still be in your life. It's what is their purpose today and to really embrace that and move forward. So think of one person, just one, that you know that relationship needs to change. And ask the question, what role do they serve? If they serve one at all. And how would that conversation, how would that relationship need to look moving forward? And just apply the focusing question. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it would allow me to shift that relationship? Have the conversation with yourself and take action because truly you cannot afford not to. Steve, what's been the biggest failure you've ever suffered? Never failed. And I know you'll sit there going, what? Never failed in my life. I've just learned not what to do. Yeah, see. <laughs> I heard Gary Keller say once failure is just move or success is just moving from one failure to the next without quitting. <laughs> Absolutely. Every time I have got ripped off, I've been broke, I've been trampled on, I've been sued, spat on, you know, had people I trust steal from me. And all it's ever done is taught me, right, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, how do I show that? How do I make sure that contract? How do I make sure I can't be vulnerable here? Every time I've done anything that's gone wrong, that's failed, it's taught me what I needed to do better. So never failed at anything, just got education on what not to do. I'm turning this to you, the audience now. Where in your life are you telling yourself the story that you failed? And you are harboring this negative energy that is subconsciously pulling you down. How would things change if your mindset was like Steve's in that regard? You didn't fail. You're just moving from one, one failure to the next without giving up, which that's what success is. Steve, talk to that person before we wrap who has listened to this conversation and they're realizing that they need to top grade some relationships. It's an area of their life that they really need to apply more focus to. What's the one thing they can do walking away from this episode to get into action? You've got, to put, uh, you've got to put them on a list. And it's easy as that. If you put down everyone you like on one piece of paper, as you're writing on that piece of paper that you don't like, you will feel it. Trust, trust your stomach. And as you're writing these names down, put a little star by them. And I'm telling you, the first time you phone them up or the first time, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to go up to them and go, hey, George, I don't want you in my life anymore. But just go, hey, I'm not sure this is working. I really appreciate the time we've had, but I'm going elsewhere. You will find some people kind of get a bit upset and put out, go, hey, hang on a minute. You know, we've been buddies forever. Actually, have we? You know, please think about it. You've often picked on me, borrowed money off me. Have we been buddies? Have we been mates? Anyway, I'm not here to labor on this. I'm just making some decisions with my life, and I want to clear up. I wish you the best, but there's not a place for you here in my stable offense. And once you've done it once, and then you've done it twice, and then you end up with a few holes, do you know the funny thing is? Good energy comes in and fills those up. And I fired people and then had people around me go, God, I never thought you were going to do that, Steve. And I'm like, well, why don't you tell me? It's not our place. Oh, bloody hell. And so you suddenly feel like an idiot because you've waited so long, and while everyone else around you can see that you're in a negative cancerous relationship. Mm. Well, in, in another way that they may, this may be more palatable for people, and I know that all the productives who are listening to this and living your one thing, they learn you have two buckets when it comes to your work, your most important work and everything else. 
And the moment that you actually start saying no to checking email for a period of time because you're getting your most important priorities done, you end up realizing at first you're telling you this story that the world's going to collapse. My clients are going to fire me. My Everybody's going to be so mad at me because I didn't check email right away. And then they realize that the world continues to spin. Same thing here, folks. What do you think will happen if you could go all the way where Steve is directed, Steve is being, or you could simply just not call them back. <laughs> you could not reply to the email. You could intentionally choose just to not respond. Yep. Will the world continue to spin? I don't know. You should go find out. <laughs> so Steve, I'm hearing you say, make a list of people and put a star next to the one person that you just... You need to make some changes in your life and they need to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and go through it, whether it's telling them directly or, or if you're not as direct as that and you just stop putting effort in and see what happens. Yeah, it can, that's the good thing. If you stop putting the effort in and, and putting fuel on the fire, it, w- it will go out. It will walk away. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. I'm curious. I, I was planning on wrapping there, but we talk a lot about the 80-20 rule, the idea that 80% of your results come from 20% of your effort. Are you hyper clear on the 20% of your relationships? And do you, or look, different question, do you treat every relationship like it matters equally? Every relationship matters. It's like saying you've got your favorite kid. You've got people in front of you. And the only way that I get to buy motorcycles, drink whiskey, do what I want to do, fly around the planet. It's because I have those relationships. And the good thing about those relationships is it's like a tool chest. You may not need that screwdriver until you need that screwdriver. But when Mm. you need that screwdriver, it's the only thing in the world. I look after relationships that I've not done business with for 10 years, knowing that one day they're going to be the screwdriver that's missing from my toolkit. Is there a 20% though of all those relationships that you treat differently no because to treat th- to treat people differently you've got to start putting effort into like putting them in a category i don't see the point you know it's very simple to just go right okay these are all of my clients these are all of my staff these are all of my friends it's very easy to do that and then go right on the 15th of every third month i'm going to reach out to all of my friends and just for any reason whatsoever just contact them mm. any reason whatsoever. And then my clients, on every second month on the 15th, I'm going to find out any reason, are there any that I'm not contacting? Oh, I'm speaking to these two at the moment. All right, what about those other 20, those other 30, those other 50? I haven't spoken to them. And you can find any reason whatsoever just to reach out and go, just wanted to tell you, have a good weekend. No other reason. Just wanted to hope life's good. All the best, Steve. Yeah. Steve, one thing before we wrap, I want (laughs) to... You talk about investing in these relationships and people often look for that instant gratification. And I know you put effort into having a system where you're just consistently touching and following up with people just to nurture that relationship. Talk about, I'll call it the compounding effect of when you get into relationship with people, how it gets easier over time. Oh, it does. Um, And I I use the example of a 300-year-old oak tree. A 300-year-old oak tree starts off as a seed. You shove it in the floor, walk away, and hope it's going to grow. You're wrong. You've got to nurture it. You've got to feed it. You've got to trim it. You've got to protect it. And you've got to do all of those elements. So there's a lot of effort in it. Now, when a 300-year-old oak tree is 300 years old, you can drive a bus into that bad boy 
and it's going to stay upright. Mm-hmm. And so the relationship becomes stronger. You can even move off and go, okay, I'm not going to call you every quarter. I'm going to call you every half year. I'm going to call you on the anniversary of every year that we met. You know, you can move that off and it does become stronger because it's self-supporting. And you'll be surprised that after a while, if you haven't contacted them for whatever reason, they'll contact you. And you can go, oh, I'm sure you beat me to it. I was going to call you Tuesday. So those relationships get easier once the early stage is done. And again, if the relationship isn't something that you want, if you don't want to build a relationship with a person, then don't put the effort in it. Call them an associate, call them something else. But if that relationship's important to you, then pay attention. Well, and what people who have lived the one thing know when you start forming power habits, the halo effect takes over and those habits start spawning off new habits. Um, I was actually, when we were preparing for this episode, I was thinking about how did you and I even get connected? And I realized I formed a relationship with a guy, Joshua Jordison, who connected me to Mike Dillard. And um, I interviewed Mike and formed a relationship with Mike. And Mike emailed me out of the blue saying, you need to know Steve. So because (laughs) I met and formed a relationship with one person, I ended up meeting Mike, forming a relationship with Mike that you just got sent to me. I didn't even have to hunt you. But when you form relationships with the right people over time, they end up forming relationships for you. There is a compounding effect. And I think people don't realize the gravity of how important that is. Yep. How has that been? Has that been evident in your life as well? It's only, yeah, I, I, I live by that. You know, it's, it's the most powerful. You're saying it more eloquently than I, than I am, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's the only way it's worth it. <laughs> uh, I have ha- hair on my head and I wear pocket squares. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, I'm very excited. I love the new book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Folks, you can pick it up on Amazon. You can also get it at audible.com slash one thing. Steve, what can they expect in the book? Uh, Very simple, straightforward, impossible to misunderstand strategies. And at the end of every single chapter, we got a cheat sheet. So you haven't even got to make too many notes during the chapter to be able to go through the strategies at the end of each chapter on what you have to do next to uh, action it. And bear in mind, and I want to make this loud and clear, the book's called The Art of Making Things Happen, not sit on your ass and it'll come to you. Ooh, love it. (laughs) Yes. And I'm sorry, did you say cheat sheets so people could get into action? (laughs) Yep. You mean, hold on. You mean they shouldn't just listen to a podcast or read a book, let it go in one ear, out the other, and then continue doing (laughs) everything the way they've always done it? Well, those people I don't want to buy, buy the book. Oh, oh my gosh, this is like earth shattering. Somebody should talk about this more often. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, where do you need help most right now? How can we help you? Well, like anyone that's ever written a book, they know you don't actually make a lot of money from books. But I want to live in a world where I'm happier. And I like people to actually communicate. And the more technology has given us ways to communicate, It's actually diluting the relationships we have because, in fact, you cannot communicate over a tweet. You can only yell messages backwards and forwards. So I want people to kind of take this kind of stuff, this podcast, start actioning some of these things and value in relationships. A computer and an app can do absolutely anything nowadays apart from build a relationship. And I think it's a dying art and I want to see that brought back. So what I'm hearing you say is the one thing that somebody can do is to actually take this content or whether it's reading the book 
and to actually go and form a real relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Folks, legacy. You hear it? Steve, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Steve Sims, founder of Bluefish Group and the new author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which you can get on Amazon or Audible at audible.com slash one thing. Folks, (laughs) this episode is near and dear to my heart because I know what happens when you take action on this. My question for you is, what's one thing you heard in this episode that you really felt resistance to? When you heard it, you started telling yourself the story, I can't do that. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can't? What evidence do you have to support that thought that you can't do that? You heard Steve, he got fired up and I just smiled. It's like, oh boy, it's about to get good. He got fired up because so many of you have more, have a better hand up than he did when he started. Like he said, he was laying bricks back in England. Not college educated, doesn't consider himself to be particularly smart, doesn't consider himself to be the most attractive human being on the face of the earth. He just didn't have a choice. He needed to make a change. It's so interesting. Sometimes uh, we end up fighting for our limitations because we don't have enough pain in our life to compel us to take action. I'll say that again, or I'll ask the question. Where are you currently fighting for your limitations? Because you just don't have enough pain in your life to compel you to make a change. So much is possible for you if you just had the right relationships. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Gary Keller says, if at any point in time in your life you are hitting up against a ceiling of achievement, you are missing a person, either in the form of a mentor or a coach or in the form of leverage, somebody to take things off of your plate tested this. <laughs> it always rang true. <laughs> I was missing mentors. I got them. It got me here. Then I was missing leverage in the form of an assistant. Got it. Then I was missing a coach. And I got it. It's part of the reason we're looking at starting a coaching business behind the one thing, which if that's of interest to you, by the way, email me jeff at the one thing.com with the number one and put coaching in the subject line so we can put you on the list so we can see if it would be a fit for you or not. Folks, who's the relationship that you're missing right now? I think one of the most powerful things, and I had never heard it this way, but those toxic people that are in your life, how would you feel if they were talking to your significant other? If they were talking to your best client, if they were talking to that person who works for you, who you're hoping will be an empire builder who could possibly replace you one day, how would you feel if they were influencing your children? Then the two by four of accountability that uh, you're allowing that person to talk to them 
all the time. Because which one of us hasn't ever had a conversation that's gotten us really heated and, and we allowed it to flow into another area of our life? <laughs> that was profound. Made me ask some questions. What ahas did you have? As always, folks, we do this in service of you, and we would be doing you a disservice if we did not call you to the table right now and ask you, how will you guarantee yourself a return on the investment of your time here? What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would guarantee that this is not just another episode that you listened to while you were doing something else and then you made no changes. You actually took action and got a result. Maybe you fall flat on your face. Awesome. You heard Steve. He's never failed because he keeps getting back up and he learns. (laughs) That's the mindset of extraordinary results, baby. How's your mindset? Folks, we care so much about you. Which is why at the end of every episode, we're coming at you hard. This matters too much to let pass by, to just press play on that next episode, to just go ahead and do the next thing that's on your to-do list. No, pause and take a moment to ask the question, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it will make everything else easier or unnecessary based on this episode and then commit to doing it. For all my productives in time blocking mastery or living your one thing, my direct call to action to you is to share it in the community. That way we can start to hold each other accountable to it. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And we sincerely hope that you will take this episode and upgrade your five. Thank you for listening. If you have not yet hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do so so you don't miss another episode like this one. How upset would you have been if you missed this episode? Yeah, we got more coming. Hit the subscribe button. And thank you, thank you to those of you who have left us a review. So I know that one bibliophile said that this is practical, that's simple, not easy to implement that I highly recommend this podcast. To Plum Loveless, who loved the episode with Brinley Tucker, I went ahead and shared that with Brinley. To E. Talbert, who said so much of the world's message is going bigger, going home, but the mantra here is essentially go small to achieve big things. Folks, we know when you leave that review and we read them and they matter. And they matter to other people because it helps us reach more people, whether you realize it or not. So if you've not yet left us a review, please go ahead and do so. And as always, share this with somebody. If you're using the iPhone in the bottom right-hand corner, you got those three dots, you click them, you can click share episode, and then you can text message it to somebody. Will you empower somebody else today by sharing this or any episode that's ever made an impact on you? It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. And we look forward to serving you in the next episode.